Psalm of David. Hello, this is Sarah de Nordwall, a bard with a bard school, and I'm so happy to be welcoming you to our bi-weekly bardcast. This is your bardic moment in the week in which I'll bring you some poetry, old and new, for inspiration and activation. Uh, encouraging you, if you wish, to write your own poems and maybe songs. So sit back, pick up a pen and let's see what's waiting for us. Now, this is the 11th episode of the Bardcast. And so as we record it every two weeks, uh, in between the Bardcasts, we've started a Bardcast B-side so that we can have the fun of reflecting further on some of the ideas in more depth. Basically, Tim Hutchinson, a Radio Maria presenter, quizzes me on the things that he's found intriguing and we see where the conversation goes. So I hope that gives you a little bit of extra fresh material for writing. I always find that fresh thinking and other people's ideas definitely get me going. So if you want to hear old episodes of the Bardcast, you just put uh, that title and Sarah into Spotify or Apple or the Radio Maria app and you can find the past ones. So for those of you who are here for the first time, the Bard School was inspired by the 8th century bards in Ireland who were tasked with the mission of speaking truth to the king without fear. And they had to entertain everybody from the peasant to the king. And uh, interestingly, they were worth the king's ransom. So when I first heard about this in the 1990s, I was very interested in being worth the king's ransom <laughs> and whether we actually did value our culture to that extent. But it also made me think, do I, as a Christian, really realise that I am worth the king's ransom. And what would it be like if I went to a bard's school that taught me how to be the kind of artist who could live up to that ideal? So this is our taste on Radio Maria of a bit of bard school to see if we can write sincerely, uh, passionately, in the light of our faith and of our experience of faith. I was uh, reading uh, a book called The Virgin Eye the other day and uh, the author has selected a few poems and I just was attracted by this quote from Camus. In the midst of our winter, an unconquerable summer. And I'm not entirely sure what he based his unconquerable summer on, but I really liked the quote and then this one from Keats. Yes, in spite, yet in spite of all, some shape of beauty moves aside the pall from our dark spirits. So I looked up the word pall and uh, to remind myself what it actually meant. And cause sometimes I can think I know what a word means and then I look it up and I realise I didn't. So originally it meant a coffin cover and then it came to mean a sense of gloom that can end up covering everything. So when I put those two quotes together and repeated the first one, I had, in the midst of our winter and unconquerable summer, in spite of all, some shape of beauty moves aside the pool from our dark spirits. 
in the midst of our winter, an unconquerable summer. And I thought, there we go, I've made a poem sandwich out of things I didn't even write. So that is actually a particular form of poetry, which they call found poetry these days. And I recommend it if things just make you wonder and then you put them together and it just makes a richer reflection. Because what a poem is really about is not just the words themselves, but the shape they leave behind in your heart, what it leaves in its wake. Because it's going to leave uh, an enriched space for contemplation and reflection that only those words can do. Obviously, music can do the same thing. That is what art is for. My sister just went away for two months on holiday to... Uh, she works while she's on holiday, but um, the, the modern workaholism and devotion. But she went to Thailand and to Australia. And the best thing about it all was an art exhibition she went to. And I think it was called... Um, has the night invade? Has the day invaded the night, or the night invaded the day? And she said it was the most thought-provoking thing. She's going to tell me all about it when I call her next week. So I shall let you know her reflections. But basically, art can be the most stunning, moving aside of the veil to reveal what lies below the surface. So here is the moment where I'm going to share with you a couple of fantastic reader poems that were sent in after they listened to Sarah Larkin's uh, word prompt. Basically, she wrote a beautiful poem called It Was Not What We Imagined. And the refrains all began with O. Oh. So I just set the task of writing something in that shape. And I'm now going to share with you a poem from Shan. She's reading it herself. It's unedited. And she said to me afterwards on another message she sent me, I had no idea that this is what I was going to write about, but I think you'll find it arresting. It's not what I imagined, this getting old. It was always over there, a situation separate. Not mine, theirs. Oh, what a shock to find. I have arrived there. It's not what I imagined. Indeed, I never spent time contemplating ageing and greying. Oh, but now it's near and everywhere. Damn. It's not what I imagined or ever dreamed, pensioned and penned in by social definition. Oh, I forgot. I'd been trained young. My mother died in her prime. And I expect, I expected to die in mine. It's not what I had imagined. I was very struck by that poem, I have to say, and that's the point. There's a kind of shock and a surprise about it. And isn't there a lot achieved just in that word, ex those three two words, expect, and I expect, expected, to die in mine. You know, that shift in realisation, these moments of revelation where the world just starts to taste different. The other poem that I heard, uh, that I was amazed by, was a really beautiful, simple poem sent in from Ireland by Bernie. And she's written in a very disarmingly simple style, very understated. And I'm just going to read it to you because she hasn't sent me a recording and uh, see what you think. 
It was not what I imagined, losing my mind. But I have to say the nurses and doctors were very kind. They gave me medication and locked me in a room. Oh, and one of them said, I'm sure you'll be better soon. It was not what I imagined when I finally came home. I was so doped up on tablets I couldn't pick up the phone. Oh, and did I tell you I was also all alone? It was not what I imagined, twenty years down the line. I take my medication and everyone says I'm fine. Oh, I forgot to say, I go to Mass and say four whole rosaries each and every day. I thought that was really touching for what was said and for what was unsaid and for the audacity of its simplicity and the rhythm giving the impression that we're just skating along. But in fact, we couldn't really be talking about greater depths and agonies. And there indeed is the taste of an unconquerable summer at the end. You know, there's a particularly distressing habit that um, Netflix and other uh, I don't know what you'd call them, platforms, streaming platforms has, it, and the television. They they give you credits, immediate, right in the middle of the credits, they give you the uh, advertisements for the next show. And so they don't let the piece of art that you've just seen, if it's art, hopefully it is, just hang in the air, you know, like the wisteria blossoms as the air blows through them and you breathe in what it's just given you. Instead, it's just like, on to the next, on to the next... And I think the beauty of poetry is that it's so short that it gives you time to breathe in what's just happened as that person's world lands in your heart. There is a beautiful little story I heard from uh, a friend of mine who's an extremely renowned poet, and she has a little goddaughter, sorry, granddaughter, called Bisan, who at the time, which means garden in Persian, and at the time she was only six years old, and I just love this little story. So Bisan was on the bus and she was going on an exciting little trip to buy something she'd got her eye on in a shop, which was some pink glittery flip-flops, and she was excited about this. And when you're a little girl of six, this is exciting. But when she came home from her shopping trip, she looked a bit stricken because, alas... The pink glittery flip-flops had been purchased by somebody else. And as she came into the room, her grandma said to her, B-san, what is the problem? And she just looked solemnly at her and went, Grandma, it's the disappointment dust. I just thought that was brilliant. The disappointment dust. Mm. What do we do with the disappointment dust in life? And do we let it settle? And given that we're in Lent and trying to stride into the desert with our disappointment dust and thinking of Jesus carrying the disappointment dust of the world, what do we do with it? And what does it take to blow it away? Well, <clears throat> there was another marvellous piece of photographic art I wanted to mention to you um, before we move on to a poem, um, the poem that I wrote actually to the same uh, writing prompt. And you can find it on a website called Digital Synopsis under Reflections of the Past by Tom Hussey, H-U-S-S-E-Y. Basically, he's done this beautiful thing where 
he took photographs of older people, all of them probably in their 70s, 80s, and they're looking into a reflection of themselves when they were younger. And that sounds simple, but he's done it in a really beautiful way. And in each of the pictures, nearly all of the pictures, he's got a person sitting next to the uh, the older person, and it's either a son or a daughter, generally, you guess. And they're looking at this older person who contemplates their younger self in some vital and beautiful modality, looking at them, their older self, with love and just the most beautiful, benign gaze. And I would really challenge you to look through these pictures and not shed a tear because they really are very, very tender. Um, I, I think I particularly... I particularly like the old guy who's, you know, a bit out of shape and he's looking at a reflection of himself when he was a fireman, probably 45 years before. And uh, I think it's his wife looking at him and she's stitching his shirt. Um, there's just so much going on as, as you take time to think about the meaning of the passing of time for this person and what it means to no longer be strong and vital. I just thought that was ravishing. And if you wanted to use that as a writing prompt, it would be a beautiful thing to do. And you could even take a photograph of yourself at a much younger age and consider yourself looking <laughs> and seeing what's become of your life so far. But I think what was particularly moving is that this painful, perhaps, transition from young to old had was being... Uh, brought to us under the gaze of a benign look. And isn't that what makes the disappointment dust and the desert manageable at all? Is that if we can perceive eventually, please God, that no matter what we're going through, all of it, strangely, mysteriously, occurs under a benign gaze. I think for me, that's what I'm trying to get to, as it were, in Lent. Then no matter what you try to do in Lent, it always ends up being something completely different. But anyway, more of that and on. If you really hand yourself over, you're going to land in the land of surprises. So what I'm going to do now is actually share a time, a poem in which I did go for a desert experience. And it was something that I found myself writing about when I thought I'd do my own homework, the it was not what we imagined homework, and found that I was still reflecting. It was still top of mind, top of heart, this experience in the depths of winter that changed my life. Um, if you wanted to read about the actual experience, it's on my CD, uh, Lipstick is a Spiritual Experience, which you can find online on Bandcamp, and also in my uh, book, 50 Poems for My 50th. Um, anyway, I've called it Fundamental Grace, after a poem by Sarah Larkin. It was not what we imagined. The forest in ice was not forbidding. Wrenched from the metropolis of safety and cafes, planted in the heart of darkness, it was in the face of all expectation a peninsula of paradise, with a pier into the sea of timelessness. A life that gives light how much you exceed all expectation. It was not what we imagined. 
loneliness confronted, fears faced down, demons encountered. It was the total perspective vortex of Zephod Beeblebrocks, where the universe he found himself in was made for him in the heart of gold. But this was no spaceship, but a point of impossible joy. In a cosmos of 400 billion stars, where everyone is known. O life that gives light, how much you exceed understanding. And yet knowledge is being known by you, the unknown known. The place of perfect peace that is everywhere and only here. It was not what we imagined. My fear painted the cosmos with its old frustrations. You took the paintbrush from my hand and turned the ice in the air to a myriad of rainbows. O oh, life that is light, remind me when I close my eyes to open my heart. And so I myself was surprised when I wrote that and... Sometimes when you finish a poem, you can think, oh, I don't know if I like that ending. And then you read it to other people without editing it. First thought, right thought, nine times out of ten. And they go, oh, wow, I love that final line. <laughs> and I go, OK, I'll leave it in. When I close my eyes, I'll open my heart. Somebody said to me, oh, I must remember when I die, that'll be the moment when I really open my heart. <laughs> I was like... Wow, that's quite a reflection. I was listening um, to YouTube the other day. I had considered giving YouTube up for Lent and hats off to those that can manage it. But I just was delighted to hear a beautiful story by Tammy Peterson, the wife of Jordan Peterson. And she was doing an extended reflection on how she'd... uh, learnt to pray the rosary. Um, She's been praying it for about four years now. And what I loved about what she was saying is that was how simply she was saying it and the wonderful contrast in a way between her and Jordan. Um, You've got Jordan speaking to stadia of people with his big ideas and, you know, lots of enjoyable and amazing motivational things to hear. But what I loved about what Tammy was saying was that it was so tiny seemingly, so specific and so heart-opening. Basically, this is the story she told. And she said that one day, Jordan had drunk a glass of water and it was her glass of water. And she'd thought, I think I feel a bit resentful about that. And so when she was praying the rosary, which her friend Queenie has taught her to do, she's going to be received into the church this Easter 2024. So she'd been praying the rosary and she said gradually she felt this resistance Uh, this resentment start to lift Uh, this resentment about you know him drinking her glass of water without really realizing it and I thought wow that really is paying attention to your the cleaning of your interior world so you know the resentment dust lifted as well but this was the consequence of it and this is what I thought was the most interesting of all Um, once a week she has to say goodbye to her granddaughter Scarlet, who I'm not quite sure how old she is. Probably she's about six, maybe the same age as B-San Walsh when she talked about the disappointment dust. Anyway, they say goodbye to Scarlet and she tends to cry and she comes back a week later. 
Anyway, she wanted to focus on that moment. But Jordan, um, you know, the great hero of many, was pacing around looking for an Amazon package. And she said, Jordan, um, we're not focusing on that now. We're just saying goodbye to Scarlett. And she said, because I'd prayed the rosary and I had no resentment about the glass of water, I think the way I said it so clearly meant that he turned away from what he was doing and he just focused on saying goodbye to Scarlett. And I thought I was really struck by this and I still have to reflect on why I was struck so much by it. So I'll probably write a poem about it um, to find out what I think about it. But saying goodbye to Scarlett, the importance of that moment, a weekly moment, but requiring all one's heart just blew me away. And yeah, I think I think it's worth listening to how she say, says things because I've rarely come across a person who speaks with so little desire for effect. She's just sharing domestic, simple things uh, with a beautiful um, resonance. So... That was a beautiful moment that I thought might form a really good writing prompt. And the importance of seeing the depth of moments is what poetry can bring us. And the final poem I want to leave you with um, is a poem that I wrote when something occurred that made me really angry. And it wasn't until I wrote a poem about it that I realised just why I was so angry about it and I'm going to leave it with you and see what you think because today I suppose we've been reflecting on what happens when you're surprised by the inevitable and have to face it but this is a bit more about what happens when we keep perfected images of things in our minds and then they are confronted. Those who reflect on idealizations, in spite of themselves, commit brutalizations. But Jonah, consumed in the guts of the whale, found guts of his own when spewed out small and pale, and staggered, but firm, on the ground he could feel, found God, though in heaven, on earth, is blood real. So, when you're doing your writing this week, try to land on the ground of specificity. Because at the end of the day, we all get spewed out by something. And when we land on the ground, that's when it gets interesting. So, here are your prompts for the week. And if none of those lines that you've heard in the uh, podcast today uh, strike you as something with good juice in them, either saying goodbye to Scarlet, we're saying goodbye to Scarlet, or I'm going to give you this line again, those who reflect on idealizations in spite of themselves commit brutalizations, or what happened to the disappointment dust. Those are your three lines or something you found, just write what follows. And I'm going to finish with a quotation because what happens once you've decided to do something, it acts as a kind of, I don't know, a magnetic force, I don't know, to 
I don't believe in the law of attraction. I really don't. But I do know that when you set out to do something, it does kind of awaken things in others. And so people have started sending me quotations and things that I find absolutely vital to maybe writing the podcast, uh, writing the program. And because of the Bardcast, a friend of mine who I haven't seen for 20 years got in touch when someone sent him the Bardcast. And just today... He sent me this quotation and I'm going to finish with this. And it goes like this. It's from Isaiah 55. Thus says the Lord, as the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and do not return without watering the earth, making it yield and giving growth to provide seed for the sower and bread for the eating. So the word that goes from my mouth does not return to me empty without carrying out my will and succeeding in what it was sent to do. So this is the Lord speaking. The word that goes forth from my mouth does not return to me empty without carrying out my will and succeeding in what it was sent to do. So there's an unconquerable summer right there, I think. So I would be delighted to hear what you write from any of these prompts. Uh, Once the programme becomes a podcast, you can listen to the poems again from the listeners and and from myself, all the scriptural quotes. And you do know that there's something called um, Scriptio Divina, uh, which is about writing in response to scripture. And that is a form of prayer and contemplation. So enjoy your writing and send it to me if you wish and state whether you are happy or not for me to read it out. And my name is Sarah at sarahdenaudible.com or rather my email is sarah at sarahdenaudible.com and if you'd like to do some more writing in a more focused way over Lent Finding the Hidden Spring the online course is starting 27th of February 7pm to 9pm GMT and it will be for five weeks so if you'd like to apply to be part of that group I'd be delighted to hear from you just write to me on my email and we can do some more writing together as a small group over Lent and then during Easter time we have the resurrection course You've been listening to me, Sarah Denordwell, on The Bardcast, in which we bring poems both old and new to the cutting edge of the contemporary world, because the cutting edge is grace. John Paul II, pray for us. Looking forward very much to being with you again. Behold, he neither sleeps nor slumbers, the guardian of Israel. Shomer Israel.